0: Log Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
1: You've just landed in the Sin
0: Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers. Hey, you went to Princeton and we're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. And Otto Rogers. I <laughs> want a wife.
2: Yeah. All right, let's show them what we got, guys. Okay. Right, get out there in the ice and let them know you're there. Oh,
0: my God.
3: We've been away for, the, hello everyone, there's another edition of the Seattle Simbin Podcast and uh, we've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, actually probably more like a month due to the holidays and then uh, we were supposed to come back on the show and do the show last week but we had technical difficulties in the studio. Uh, I am now joined by my co-host Otto Rogers. Otto, are you with me? I am with you. It's good to be back. Yes, it is. It's been a while been a while.
2: But you know what, I think we
3: I think both of us needed that break, didn't we?
2: We did. You know, it, it was uh you know, just uh just just try to you know, tow the tow the rope until we can get the uh NHL and uh and and, and the NBA back here. But um yeah but, but hey, let me let me just put it out put put it out there really quick. Um okay. can I just tell you now that the you know the Seahawks are done for the for the season, we have nothing going on it depresses me man
3: Well, that's a that's a uplifting way to open the show
2: (laughs) but you're right we have
3: we have nothing going on
2: i i came to the quick realization that like we're going to have three months where um there there's no pro winter sports um yeah in in seattle And, and we face that every year and 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 it's just it just gets a little old sometimes. And so, and maybe it's just a little bit of a segue, but um, when I saw that, that there was going to be no uh, street vacation vote by the city council in January, that just kind of like irked me a little bit more because it just kind of extends it out a li- even a little further. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And, you know, I, I think everyone's with you there, Otto. I mean, I, I was mad too. And, um you know, I just came to the realization it doesn't get do, any, do us any good to get mad. Um it, It's going to get done. It just just like everything else in this process, the Seattle process, the, the famous Seattle process. It just takes forever and ever and ever, and it's just something we're going to have to to grit our teeth and and, and hold on through. Um, one good thing. Yes, I, true. when true. When do pitchers and catchers report in February or March?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know.
3: I, I think it's, fe- I think it's February and you know, I, I was telling myself, you know, I, I kind of like what, um, that new GM for the Mariners is doing to Poto. Um, right. not that I think he's going to hit on all these moves, but I like the fact that he recognized that the team was just crap and he's doing <laughs> kind of what John Schneider and Pete Carroll did. And he's just yeah. making trade after trade after trade until he gets a better mix in the roster. And, you know, it's not going to make a – I don't think they're going to make a huge run this year or anything. But I, I kind of right. told myself because of him and because of the way they're they're going about it this year, we get the uh, street vacation vote behind us um, uh, and the Mariners are no longer an obstacle. I may actually watch right. the Mariners game this year. Uh, now, I when, I when I told that to myself, I didn't think we'd – be possibly stretching into February or March. <laughs> and so I was actually right. kind of looking forward to, you know, following spring, spring training a little bit. But we'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, we actually we have, we have a good show for you guys tonight. And uh, we're going to have uh, Lorenzo Villalobos, who is our beat writer uh, for the Washington Huskies hockey squad. And he's also their play-by-play man. And uh, we're also having uh, a UW defender, Josh McGrew join us when, uh, I I believe he's joining us when Lorenzo calls in. And we're going to talk about the way the Huskies season is going. They've got about four games left in their season. And uh, so I know you're going to enjoy that conversation. Um, Lorenzo is a hardcore hockey guy, and it's going to be good to talk to another one of the players. This This will be the second Husky player that we've talked to. And so that's coming up in about 10 minutes. Um, and then, of course, we also have the arena news, or, or lack thereof. Um, and really, it's more lack thereof at this point, right, we, because we just don't know right, when things are scheduled out yet. So there's not much to talk about on the Seattle end, although we had good news, and that was, um, what was it, a week or two ago, when uh, Ray Bardezek told me that he's still in the game. Yeah. And uh he and, and uh he they paid the bill that was due and uh he told me that they're still in. Uh and he he's he bas- he actually said he basically said to me the the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. And so he <laughs> seemed like he was he was in a good mood when he said it. Uh but you know, you and I are on the same page with him. I mean I mean we both want all the arena proposals to go as far as they can. And, yeah. you know, if we if we had our druthers, we'd have approved renal proposals in T- Soto, Tukwila, and Bellevue. And so it's good yeah. to know that that option is still not dead. So That's what okay. were your thoughts when you heard about that, Otto?
2: No, when I heard that, it, it just, you know, if he was truly going to, you know, uh, kick out, I don't know how much, what was the bill, the fee for the the unpaid fee? It was like over 60000 right? Do
3: you remember what the fee was? Something like that. I don't remember the dollar figure.
2: I mean, if he was truly out. Like, he would not pay the 60000 right? So, you know, I feel – I think we both agree that – I think he probably
3: would have eventually paid it because, yeah. it, you know, it's a, it's a bill that he owes. And, and so I, oh, right. I'm sure he would have paid it, but maybe not just all at once. And he he probably would have announced that he was done. And, you know, if you if right. go back to December, and I, I think both Jeff Baker and uh, Chris Daniels were reporting that uh, he may have been on his last legs in the project – uh, they right. were both reporting on the late on the late bill, and so there was a real chance, Otto, that on December thirty first, if he hadn't got if he hadn't landed that other investor, that that he was just going to officially pull out, and right. he didn't do that. So,
2: right, well, I don't, you know,
3: again, I don't know that that mean. I don't know if that means he's found an investor. I don't know if that means um, he has, right. if he's close to getting one. I don't know what that means, but at the very and maybe he's just hanging on until the Soto thing is resolved with the the council votes that i mean that could be but it's good news right. that he's still
2: it's, it's good news and I, my understanding was that um they had kind of stopped work um tequila had kind of stopped work because the 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 bill wasn't paid so maybe this means you know he's he has enough something where he wants you know tequila to kind of continue on with their with their process so um, you know, any competition is good competition. You know, so uh, competition is always a good yeah. thing. So I, I hope our and, and I know there's that. people
3: out there that worry that there's people out there out there that worry that this project is distracting from Soto. But at this point, this is in the council's hands. There's nothing to distract. Yeah. I mean, right? Uh, O'Brien is the transportation chair. It's it's in his right hands right now. He's pro arena. He was for the proposal when it when it came out. He helped negotiate the current MOU. He's going to put a. He's going to get this done no matter what Duckwilla does. Um, right. But if Seattle doesn't step up, Duckwilla is another option, and, and it's always just good to have that option. It is okay. So in about Otto, in about five minutes, we're going to talk to Lorenzo and Josh. Yep. But you know, since we're a hockey show. Um. I really want to talk about Star Wars. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Are you up to talk Star Wars a little bit? Because I don't think we talked. What, what did Our you think of the so movie? True. Yeah, what did you um, think of the movie?
2: So let, let's put a disclaimer out there. There's going to be spoilers, but so maybe we can put that uh, disclaimer uh, in the article. Um, I, I loved it. You know, um, I, I thought it was a perfect kind of, mishmash combination of all the things that worked with the original uh the original three movies mm-hmm.
1: um you
2: know a lot a lot of people said that it was it, it basically is the original because it has all the kind of same beats and stuff but you know what it there's a lot of new people out there a lot of new you know a lot of new fans and this is a great way to kind of reintroduce everyone back into the star wars uh lore you know it was, Great action, you know. I love the all the all the main characters. I loved Ray. I loved uh, uh, the Storm Cooper guy, Um, uh, You know, Han, Han Solo was great in his time. I thought there was it was just going to be a cameo from Han Solo, but Han Solo actually played a pivotal role in this movie. So, yes, you know, he did. I, I loved all the you know I loved all the performances. Uh, I loved BB-8. He, he was really cool. You could tell. Um, you could tell like there were pieces where there was like CGI um uh, but it wasn't overdone and you could tell they used a lot more set pieces you could tell like it felt a lot more grounded yeah. than the, than the prequel yeah. so um this is great man this i mean i can't wait uh for uh episode 8 and i can't wait for rogue one coming out in december
3: yeah and, you know I, I felt i felt exactly the same way there were a lot of people there were some people that felt like there were way too many parallels Um, and it's and there, and there are, there's a lot of parallels and it's not just, uh, parallels of a new hope. They also bring in, they sprinkle in some, uh, some of the empire strikes back, uh, ideas. And, you know, you can look at, you can look at that and say, well, that's just a lack of originality, but let me direct people's attention back to the prequels and how awful they were and how people said to themselves, this isn't star Wars. Well, this was star Wars. This right. this was absolutely a Star Wars movie. And, you know, I even saw, you know, George Lucas was kind of pooh-hooing it. Um, he was saying, you know, they gave, they did they went away from the storylines that I had in mind for these episodes. They completely ignored them. And they just did something that the fans would like. And I'm thinking, uh, um, yeah, George, okay. isn't that what you're, <laughs> isn't that kind of what you want to be doing a little bit? Um, right. But, you know, that. George... Yeah, I, I love George Lucas, and I I'll always appreciate what he created. I mean, he, cre- he created a, a universe, but he,
2: right.
3: you know, he he showed me in the prequels that he's just not. He really doesn't have it anymore. But this right. was just amazing, and, and you know, of course, they brought in elements from the other movies, are because what let let's remember what they're doing. They're not only continuing a story, but they're also rebooting a story. Right. Um, they're rebooting a story without rebooting it. Um, they're introducing yeah, exactly. an entire new cast, and they they touched base with some of the plot points. And yeah, and did they overdo it a little bit? Probably, probably. But I loved it. I I just choose to I just chose to enjoy the fact that it was a good movie.
2: Yeah, it was great.
3: Yeah, and then of course uh, I posted on Facebook a little while ago, just to keep geeking out a little bit. Uh, tonight is a marvel up is a marvel night in my house. Uh, we've good got at eight o'clock. That. We've got a special. Yeah, we're going to be watching a special on the history of Captain America at eight o'clock, and then there is the two-hour season premiere of the Agent Carter show. Oh, which, nice. uh Yeah, which has Peggy Carter in it from the Captain America movies, and and you know she's really good. And did you watch any of that series last year? Agent I, I watched the first
2: couple. You know what? I watched the first couple episodes. It just didn't grab me. Uh, the Agent Carter series, it, it did not grab me the way I hoped. Uh, it didn't grab me like how, you know, Daredevil grabbed me on uh, Netflix, which was, right. uh, Daredevil was was great and amazing. So uh, I might jump back into it, but the, uh, the you know, we got two I, kids. I would, so- <laughs> I would give it a try. I would give it a
3: try because I liked it. I don't like it as well as I like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show because I really, I love right. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but this, you know, this show helps, you know, get my Marvel fix in while Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on their annual hiatus while they're waiting for another movie to come out. Right, Um, But, but it's fun. And, you know, the other thing great about, um, the Star Wars thing, Otto, is, um, about in the last two weeks before I, before the new movie came out, you know, I started throwing in the original movies just to, you know, build myself, you know, build it up for me and, you know, just to to watch him again before I saw this one. And my eight-year-old son uh, was watching him with me. And he's seen him, you know, he's watched him off and on before, but he's actually really fallen in love with Star Wars now. And he's coming huh. to me with lightsaber fights all the time. And I'm not I'm not kidding here. This is the first thing that we've ever liked, that that we've ever both liked a lot. And so Very for me, nice. it's kind of a unifying thing for my son, so... Yeah, um, so it's nice. That's cool. Star Wars is cool. All right, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to take a yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, hopefully we'll have Lorenzo and Josh to talk some Husky
2: hockey. Mm-hmm.
1: State Bulldogs beat the University of Michigan
0: Wolverines. The Ferris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans 4-1 and the Bulldogs win 8-1 over the Ohio State Bulldogs. Fair State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to ferrisstatebulldogs.com.
1: The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains, $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but screen printed -printed in Canada. Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap.
0: You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you.
2: Can you feel? Fast
0: hockey love.
2: The hockey love.
0: Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrong he has done. That is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough Hockey love. Sometimes in between periods they have little tight hockey, little kids playing hockey in their little thrashes uniforms. They try so hard and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love.
2: I'm talking about hockey love!
0: I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> Alright. When America needed to cheer, the world watched the impossible dream come true. Volkswagen salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey here we go drop that puck drop that puck drop that puck drop that puck Drop that Drop that Drop that Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin. With your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers.
2: Drop that
3: Right. Welcome to another segment of the Seattle Simbin Podcast. I am your host, Paul Rogers, and my co host Otto Rogers is with me. Otto, are you there? I am here. Alright. Um it's time to ha- talk some UW hockey, some Washington Huskies hockey. And there, there's only four games four games left in the season. And we're gonna to welcome to the show two people related to the program. Uh one of them is Lorenzo Villalobos who is the uh, voice of the Washington Huskies hockey squad. He's our play-by-play guy, and he's also the beat writer for the Washington Huskies for the Seattle Simbin. And another one is Josh McGrew, who is a player on the team. And Lorenzo and Josh, are you there?
0: I am, uh, Yeah. How
3: are you doing, Paul? Doing good, doing good. Um, so, Josh, uh, we haven't met you before, and and you are a defenseman? That is correct, yeah. That's great. And what year are you in school?
1: Uh, I'm a sophomore.
3: You're a sophomore. Okay. Um, and so, Josh, anytime we bring a new guest on the show, uh, one of the things I like to do is is uh, first we talk to you a little bit about your background and then we get to the hockey questions. Um, but how long have you played hockey? How did you get into it?
1: You know, so I started playing hockey when I was about eight years old. Um, I met – a kid a family moved to my area um when I was in third grade and their son they moved in from Denver to Edmonds Washington and they had a son who was about 10 years old so a couple years older than I was at the time and he was a hockey player and so they brought me out to a game of his one time and just kind of fell in love with the sport watching him play um he was I think he was a peewee at the time and he was he was playing at a triple-a level and I just thought it was fast and um, the puck was so small, it just looked so so thrilling to be out there on the skate. So, yeah.
3: Right, right. And so I assume that you played uh, youth hockey all the way through high school?
1: You know, actually, I so I played until I was in eighth grade, um, and then my parents decided um, that we were going to move to Central America. Um, they started a nonprofit down there. And so I actually oh, had wow. to take a break from hockey for four years. And only picked it up last year when I started playing for the team again,
3: oh wow okay yeah uh what kind of what kind of work did you do in central
1: america um so my my parents are christian- mi- uh missionaries, and so um they start an organization down there where they um they host individuals from the United States who are doing service uh service projects and stuff like that um and then they also have a child sponsorship program for education. Um which okay. they have instituted into some of the poor neighborhoods around where we live, um just south of the capital city of Managua.
3: Nice, that's very nice.
1: Um, and so you you came to UW and do
3: mm-hmm. you know what
1: you're gonna major in yet? Uh yeah, so I'm an international business major with a focus in finance.
3: Okay, okay, great. Yeah. And so you decided to to hook up with the hockey club and did you get any ice time your freshman year or uh, has it been mainly been this year where you got to play more?
1: You know, it was, it was kind of, it's backwards, I guess, than what most people would have. I actually played quite a bit more last year than I do this year. Um, But that was because last year we had a fairly short bench. We only had seven or eight forwards, uh, five defensemen on a good night and then two goalies or three goalies, excuse me. So, um, we, you know, we didn't really have a full roster, so I got plenty of ice time last last year. This year, um, that ice time has been trimmed a little bit, but it's been good. We got uh, about 15 new recruits this year, which has been awesome. Just to have a um, a young group of guys that are going to be with us for the next four years. Um, right. Right. And did, did I hear that you scored your first goal recently? <laughs> Yes, um, last weekend against u c l a oh wow okay, and all right so you
3: you're you join the team, and I think most people i mean it's not a, an actual program, so there's no real scholarships or anything like that that I'm aware of, but you mm-hmm. uh so you you just join the team basically for fun, and yet there's there's also talk um that someday they might try to take the program to a Division one program. Is that something that you would aspire to playing for? Uh, How would you feel about making that kind of a leap?
1: You know, I think that would be a fantastic um, step, especially just for Seattle area hockey. I think, um, Uh you know, one of the things that's difficult that, you know, there's just not – it's hard to – for, you know, younger kids who are, you know, trying out new sports when they're younger, their parents are, you know, looking at what, you know, what sports can my kids play. There's no high-level – hockey for them to look at and say, "Man, you know, that would be fun to play that sport." Um there's nothing in the Seattle area like that. So I think just for that reason, you know, if we can't for any reason seem to, you know, ever get an NHL team, um I think that would be a great step. Um but I think you know, it would it would probably be tough for a lot of the guys on the club team right now to play at that level. It is a much higher level of hockey um than most guys are used to. Um and it would probably allow some uh the financial standing to be able to bring in players from different markets and provide them with scholarships. So it would be interesting to see where that would lead us. I think um if we, you know, UW were to get a team like that it would we would still need to have a club team as well. Um Okay. You know, just for okay. just for the guys who are wanting to play for more fun, you know. Right.
3: Uh so Lorenzo, you you watch this guy play every game Uh, what do you see out there on the ice with him and and the rest of the players? How's the season going so far?
0: Well, it's a little bit uh, sluggish after this past weekend, but I can tell you Josh is probably one of the most dedicated players you'll ever see on the ice right now despite his 5'6 size. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Josh is very dedicated to his his play, to his teammates as well, including the the coaches as well. Uh, He's one of your setup guys. You know, he likes to play behind the net sometimes just to set up plays, just like uh, one of our other defensemen, Troy Gasser, uh, the other thing too with Josh is that normally when he risks those shots from the blue line, he'll just take it right there and there. Just to see that puck coming right towards towards him along the boards, holds that puck along the blue line, and he just go without any hesitation. He'll just take that shot. He'll just take any risks to score a goal from any part of the rink. So that that's one yeah. thing I'd really notice about about Josh right there. From what you've seen, does he like to hit people out there? Uh, you know. <laughs> I think you can say yes, you know. Um he he's he's taking a lot of his own hits as well though, but uh, he get he can get very physical at times as well.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh Otto, do you have any qu- questions
2: for our guests here? Yeah, well I just had um some questions for Lorenzo, just um the just how the season's going so far. Um you know, twelve twelve and ten, um they had a kinda of rough stretch with, like you said, Denver. And uh, uh, North North Colorado, where are we at? What kind of position are we at? Going heading into the playoffs? Um, what you know? What's our what's our are we like
0: a fourth seed or a fifth seed? Are we on the outside looking in? Right now, Paul, uh, Otto. Just to be honest with you, we're at the at the moment third ranked right now in the conference uh, with a seven two and one record. Going into okay. this weekend, our, this is our final conference weekend of the seer, of the regular season. We're going to be down in Eugene Friday and Saturday against the Oregon Ducks, and this is more important not just for playoff seeding, but also to regain that. And quote, I said the word regain uh, possession of the I five Cup. Uh, the only way we need to do it is just win tonight or tomorrow night, or Friday or Saturday night, just to regain it. At the same time, we're also looking at USC right now because. USC, which just recently got swept in non-conference action back in Los Angeles last weekend against Loyola Marymount, uh, they, despite having the number one seed at 7-2, and two, their overall record is 7-13. and 13. Keep in mind, huh. first place and second place doesn't uh, result in better conference records. They go by some type of system that's similar to a BCS format called the CRECH rankings, K-R-A-C-H. And it's a very complicated system right now. Uh, (laughs) Currently at the moment, USC holds that number one spot, UC Berkeley at number two, and we're holding it on at number three. So um, these two huge games coming up is going to be very important for us right now. Uh, The other thing we also have to keep in mind is that the conference schedule does not end this weekend. It actually ends next weekend. And Oregon, uh, which um, from what I understand, looking at the schedule, they have California next weekend to close out the regular season. USC is in Utah this weekend. Utah, of course, is the most dominant team throughout the entire ACHA West. They're undefeated, at six and no. But because of their minimum required uh, schedule of eight games, which requires the uh, all teams to participate in the Pac eight tournament, they're more than likely uh, not going to get the number one seed, despite having a twenty two and two record. So huh. uh, this is going to be a very interesting weekend if uh everything goes our way. Very good,
2: very good. How, and how do you feel um how do you feel about the whole season? How do you think uh, heading to the playoffs uh the whole season's gone for you
0: You know, Otto, it's very very optimistic right now, you know. I communicate with these players a lot. Same with head coach Matt Cleeton, Amanda Hardwick. Uh once in a while we see CJ Fisher and Dane Jordan out there also. These are the other two assistant coaches and you know, they keep, they like the players. They like to keep themselves loose. They always like to see the optimistic Picture going on to going into each game every single night, you know, and they don't worry about what the schedule or the standings were against their future opponents are. they just worry about getting the 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 game out of the way. they worry about what what's going to happen if we be in this position what's going to happen if we get the puck in the corner who's going to be in front of the goalie when they get ready to set it up, either even strength wise or on the power play you know and, and these guys are just focus on just winning the the uh the hockey game. That is the only thing they're worried about, too. Win, lose or draw, it doesn't matter, you know. Even though that they lose tough games, you know, they know that they did their best, you know. And that's the one the right. one thing that everybody needs to understand is that this Husky Hockey Club, you know, they're always going to be shoulder to shoulder no matter what happens at the very end of the night.
2: Right.
0: Very good. Very good.
2: Um I think that's that's all that's all the questions I had for uh for Lorenzo
3: all right, uh, so Josh, back to you for a minute. Um, yeah. Now you're you're playing at the club level,
1: at the college. How many how many hours a week do you guys practice? You know, we only for practice. We're only on the ice two and a half three hours at most each week. Okay,
3: and so between that and the home games that you play, and some of the road trips you have to. You have to take. Has that been uh, a challenge for uh, keeping up on your homework and and your grades? How, how's that working for you guys?
1: You know, I you know, I'd say probably the biggest part of all of that is um, you know the thing that is forgotten a lot is the time the transportation time and then the time the the extra time you're getting there you know ahead to whether it's getting your gear on or whether it's after the game or after practice when you have to you know take your gear off. Take a shower, because um, you smell awful. Everybody knows when you get off the ice. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah. it's not necessarily just that those three hours that, we're, that we get to be on the ice that are, that are the you know that suck up the time, but it's, it's all of it all together. I've done, I've had to do a few, a couple rough calculations as I've filled out some applications for scholarships, and it's about twenty hours a week um, on average throughout the wow. um, each week with. You know, if you average in those weeks where we're traveling and we're away from home um, or we're, you know, making a road trip, you know, just to eastern Washington or whatever, um, every, every time I go to a home game, it's about a six-hour commitment, you know, between driving to the rink, um, you know, getting there an hour early to warm up, get ready, prepared, and then staying after to kind of debrief the game and, you know, get cleaned up and head home. It's It's a bit of a time commitment. I tend to find myself – um, you know you find time for it uh you you prioritize when you only really have to worry about your schedule um it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see this next this upcoming weekend as we play um down in Eugene some pretty important games i've two midterms to come back to monday morning um so that'll be it'll be a, a bit of an interesting weekend but you know everybody works hard um the time that you allocate to study you study well and you you know you study the important things so um, right. So when you go on the road trips,
3: I assume you're on a bus.
1: Um,
3: and do you find time? Do you find yourself working on homework on the bus a lot or how do
1: you handle that? Um, I, a lot of times I will find time on the bus. Some of the new coach buses are pretty nice nowadays. They have, um, you know, seats facing each other with a table in the middle. So I try to snag mm-hmm. one of those when I get on the bus, um, as you know, some of the younger guys don't need it so much with their with their easy class schedule. Um, They're only playing poker <laughs> games, by the way. Just uh, add that in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Lorenzo, do you travel on the bus with them? I actually did one time this year uh, when we headed out to Spokane. Uh, the other times, I actually drove down to Los Angeles, which I love to do for myself. And uh, I actually flew with the, flew with the team last weekend to Denver. So it was a, you know, the bonding is just great. It's a great experience
3: yeah and and so let me ask you about that part josh i mean uh you're spending 20 hours a week with these guys and uh one of you know and you're taking long road trips on the bus with these guys do you find yourself uh building what you think might turn into some lifelong relationships with uh with the other other
1: players oh absolutely um i think last year maybe not so much as you know coming onto the team as a Freshmen, um, you know, it's my first time living in the United States in four years. It's a little tough to kind of readapt. Mm-hmm. But I think this year, being, you know, a veteran on the team, I've kind of taken a little bit more ownership of my role. Um, and I actually – I drive three of the freshmen to practice and all the home games. And so kind of, the three of us have connected pretty well. Um, we have good conversation. Because, you know, when you're riding in, in the car together, you know, a couple hours a week, you know, all together, you, you start to have some conversations. You, you can't just do the same BS stuff every – every time so you start to uh you start to talk about you know you get into politics you get into uh you know things that are important to them talking about their families their friends you know their relationships and their lives and stuff like that so um it's been pretty cool to to see them open up and be willing to you know not just be friends on a you know service level but really you know get to know each other and you know but at the same time still having a lot of fun and you know raising you know yeah getting in trouble when we go on the road and stuff like that so it's all it's it's a lot of fun we uh we definitely have quite quite the bond in our team
3: Sounds great guys
1: Well uh
3: Lorenzo once again I want to thank you for coming on the show with us and more importantly I want to thank you for everything you do for the website you've done a great job of covering the team for us this year and Josh I want to thank you for coming on the show for the first time and we hope to have you back uh someday soon Absolutely yeah
1: thanks for having me guys it's been a pleasure. All right, talk to you later, guys.
2: Okay. Hey, take care, Otto.
1: Thanks, Paul. Thanks.
3: All right, that was uh, Lorenzo Villalobos, uh, who is a play-by-play play-by-play guy for the Washington Huskies hockey, hockey club, and that was Josh McGrew, who plays defense for the Huskies, uh, talking about uh, talking some hockey, talking about life on the road. And talking about just life in general. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Otto and I are going to talk about the situation with the Calvary Flames.
1: Radio. 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 Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. gonna
0: folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! puck. Drop puck. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin, with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada, and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him,
3: Actually, Otto Rogers. I'm I'm Paul Rogers, your your host, and <laughs> Otto's my co-host. Um, and so, Otto, that was a that was a good talk. I, I it was enjoying I was enjoying talking to Josh and and just getting a feel for what it's like to live that life. And I was actually uh, somewhat taken aback when he told me he's spending like 20 hours a week on this for a club level team. What, what did you think of that yeah. interview?
2: No, I mean it, it was a great interview. You know, you know, sounded like he had a really good background growing up and, and it seems like he's taking that leadership role. Um, and then, you know, all that time that's been on the ice, you know, it sounds like a great thing. And, and, you know, the passion that he was talking about getting, uh, uh, getting UW to, you know, division one hockey and, and what, what that would do for the sport and, and the region, you know, that, that that got me kind of pumped up too. So you know, it was great. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It was great. And, I I'm really kind of regretting I I was hoping to make it to a Husky game this year. Uh but but with my schedule and with the roads coming across the passes it's just I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Uh so maybe I'll actually get to catch a game in person next year, but um you know the more I hear about the the, the Husky hockey program, uh the more I like it. You know, we people don't realize um the the undercurrent of hockey we have in our community, and it, it really is—we have some, some good hockey being played. And the the WHL teams are—you know—the level of hockey is really high. Not yeah. having seen, not having seen um, the, the the Husky hockey, I can't really address the quality of hockey that you get there. But everything I've heard um, has said that it's really good. And you know, I, I've seen John Barr talk about how it's got a got a high level of hockey quality to it so it, it's just nothing but a good thing uh so Otto, last week um i i wrote an article and i, w- I was kind of hesitant to do it but you know several months ago i noticed kind of a situation brewing up in calgary um reg- regarding the flames and uh they're trying to build a new arena up there and actually they call it a field house complex to where they want to build uh, a state-of-the-art hockey arena. And in the same complex, it would go side-by-side with a state-of-the-art football stadium for, uh, what is it, the Stampede up there?
2: Yeah. Of the CFL. Yeah.
3: Yeah, And so also housing a few other sports uh, that I don't remember what they are. Um, But they're doing it in a location that apparently has a lot of environmental concerns, um, they're doing it in an environment where the local government, I mean, stop me if you're shocked at this, the local government doesn't right. feel like paying for anything like that. Not that we've <laughs> ever experienced that. Um, no. And no one has mentioned the relocation word. So I don't want people to get excited about that for Seattle, but it, you know, if this is not addressed, if this could become something that we should be interested in and you know what what caused me to finally write about it last week was the fact that Gary ba- Gary Bettman NHL commissioner was up there and he was making statements they need the the government needs to get behind this proposal and you know he was he he didn't bring up the relocation word either but he was saying you know they need this arena and they need it soon and because of the environmental problems it's 5 years away even if they start building now and so he right. he's trying to light a fire under the government the mayor shot back in, uh, in the news the next day. Um, and so uh, this seems like a situation that could develop into something that we might be interested in. But, again, um, I honestly don't think it's going to get to that point. I I think the hockey passion in Calgary is so high that they're going to figure out a way to do it. But what, what were your thoughts on that situation up there?
2: You know, I, it, it was interesting because, you know, Gary kinda of went in there kinda of, you know, strong arm the uh, strong arm, you know, the local government a little bit and what was interesting was that, you know, uh, local I believe the Calgary mayor kinda of, kinda of pushed back, you know, uh at Gary Benton. Oh, he pushed back saying, hard. Yeah, I mean he he did. He 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 basically kinda of went in and said like look, you know, we you know, we're gonna do you know he needs to understand that, you know, we're gonna do uh, we're not gonna be hurried into this and we're gonna, you know, take our time and we're gonna we're gonna do all our different um um you know all the all the things necessary that for for, the, for them to happen and, and so it was interesting to see uh, a municipality kind of like, you know, push it back uh at Bettman. Um so it's 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 definitely something interesting to look at. I don't think, you know, this not I s I don't think this is a situation where um this I don't this doesn't feel like an Edmonton situation where it looked like the owner, you know, um remember when the owner for Edmonton he he actually came down and I don't I don't think we're at that that point yet because it doesn't look like the owner of uh the flames are, are, are you know are itching or are going, you know or you know, are itching to get like a new brand new stadium or really like pushing into it. So I don't right. see um I think the more the impact is that You know, the the pause, you know, Gary Bettman wants to go forward because the Canadian dollar is falling. Uh, I think the greater impact is is what's happening with the Canadian dollar. And, you know, as we look at uh, expansion and relocation uh, in in regards to Quebec, Quebec City, I think that is, you know, out of this kind of whole mess with, like, you know, the the economics of, of Calgary, i think I think it's it it's we're looking at quebec and and what is going on with the Canadian dollar to kind of give us a a peek into um you know what what's the next step for the NHL. so I feel yeah. better about our you know honestly this is a little this is you know I never want something bad to happen to another uh location or city to to pop up our cause um but I'm not going to lie in saying that the Canadian dollar tanking is at the very least, you know, something to look at in regards to possibly increasing Seattle's chance uh, to get either a relocation or uh, their expansion franchise. So, um, yeah. you know, that, that is yeah. really and so, interesting to see what happens to Yeah. Yeah.
3: And so again, nothing to get nothing to get excited about right now. Nothing is imminent you know it it's it's not a serious push yet uh but the commissioner of the league has now stepped in and started talking publicly, and so that was kind of the first salvo I think fired between the city and the league and again yeah. i I think that at some point the the hockey passion in cal- in Calgary will probably bring the government officials to the table at some point in some form.
2: but if Go they ahead.
3: resist that. Uh, you know, let let's say we're a year from now, and there there's still right. no solution in the works. And because of the comp, the complex nature of the site they chose, I mean, five years to build—that's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. That could it's, develop into early, a relocation scenario, that, and you know, nothing to get excited about now. Just kind of file it away mentally. Maybe we'll check back on them in about a year, and, and see what's going on. I my hope is that we'll already have something secured by then.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. That that's my hope as yeah. well. You know that we're not kind of yeah. relying on you know a five-year plan for Calgary. You know, um, I think there are other possible things that might happen in regards to relocation before yeah. or, before Calgary is an option. Um, I'm right. not I'm not and, gonna say the team. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna say the teams, but I think we all know. You know, it's all, it's all the all the usual suspects in regards to the teams um that are, are in trouble. So um right, I think those right. are more likely.
3: One one more thing to consider about uh Calgary though. Um when I was researching the article, um their long term lease appears to have expired in two thousand fourteen. Huh and so I saw nothing that overtly said that they're on a year to year lease, but I I kinda think that's what's happening. And so if this, like, if this were to go nuclear,
2: um, mm-hmm.
3: that it, it mm. can come in really fast. You know what I'm saying? Oh, um,
2: <laughs> and, and,
3: and here, now, hard. again, <laughs> don't get excited, but just think <laughs> about this. All right. Um, what is the main reason that we didn't apply for expansion in Tequila? Uh, it, it was a lack of money. Now, we right. had money lined up for uh, either the arena or a team, but not both, right? And that's why he didn't. Right. Right. What, what's the main reason we don't have an NHL first scenario in Seattle? Someone, you know, we have people hesitant to step up and pay money for the NHL first scenario. What right. if we had a situation like this where they didn't really want to sell, but they just wanted to move here? And that instantly hmm. makes Taquila a lot easier. That instantly makes an NHL first scenario in Seattle a lot easier. Um, although I think the Soto part might be a little more complex in that scenario because um, you would think that Victor Coleman would have to buy into the, uh, he would have to be one of the uh, owners well, of the team. Well, whereas here, I don't think Ray be, would require that.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing about, about the Soto location. If we're not even looking at a sell, if we're just looking at, and I don't know, you know, if the owner is a local owner from Calgary, I mean, if he's local, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to move it. He's going to sell it, but let's say the, um, I you know, they are local. I believe
3: they're local to Calgary.
2: Okay. And so 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 that, you know, that may mean they want to sell. Right. But if we're just looking at straight, uh, a straight, just relocation fee, I mean, I think the last, I think, you know, the relocation fee is going to be a lot cheaper, like 150 million or something like that. Um, yeah. And if they want to go if they want to go into Soto, I'm not sure why necessarily uh why Victor Coleman would have to I mean, you know, Chris Hansen controls the land. Well because
3: someone because has someone to, has to someone has to pay two hundred million probably two hundred million plus to get the NHL first scenario. And it's either going to be Victor Coleman or it would be whoever's trying to move the team in. You know what I mean?
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, if this guy wanted to yeah. go to Seattle, he did not. He does not have to include Victor Coleman, right? So he could no, pay he the two hundred million doesn't. to, um, you know, get that NHL first scenario or whatever the money is, right? Um, right,
3: but they but, they would have to be willing to kick the money in, and I'm not right. sure. I I have not seen the funding plan for the Calgary proposal. I, I assume they're kicking something in, right? Uh, but you know again, not nothing to get excited about just potential,
2: no, potential right? for yeah.
3: a situation um to where if if we came down to you know a lot of people we we talk about relocation scenarios, and let this could be true of any n h l team by the way it, not just not just calgary uh but when we're talking about potential relocation scenarios um we don't necessarily need a billion dollars to get it done we need someone to pay for the arena and we need someone to pay for the relocation fee which which would make some place like tequila doable and also soto doable if they can come to an agreement
2: right um, yeah so it's it's definitely something to watch you know and and for for people like you and me Paul where we're just anything that has any kind of even a hint of a connection to expansion or relocation or arena troubles or anything like that we we will be right on top of that
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So no. again, we're not we're not advocating for this to happen. We're not saying it's going to happen. We're not even saying it's likely to happen. We're just saying it's something we're going to monitor and just keep an eye on because that's what we do around here.
2: <laughs> um, right. So
3: yeah. All right, Otto. Anything else on your mind, hockey-wise or anything else?
2: No, I, th- I think we I think we covered everything. I mean, we 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 briefly touched on the you know, the lack of street vacation vote. Um I, I did wanna chip in um uh, when we when we got the news how the Port of Tacoma um when they when they were kind of jumping in in opposition to uh to to the arena plans and, and when I when I read I think it was Chris Daniels article, when I read his story and basically they said like they had no clue what was going on but they just jumped in anyways. I mean, that should pretty much tell you you know, all you need to know about the opposition to the arena plan, they really don't know what they're saying no to or what they're, uh, you know, yeah. arguing against. They're just jumping in because, you know, that's what their friends are doing or something, I guess, right? So, yeah. I don't
3: know. You know, and on that, on that Definitely. with the Port of Tacoma, um, I honestly don't think that's going to matter one iota for this entire I don't situation. either, but, I mean. Uh, the, the meeting where they were talking, if if it's the same Daniels report that I was reading, the meeting where the Port of Tacoma didn't really know much, it was at a meeting with the Port of Seattle, and the Port of Seattle was right. explaining what was going on. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, Tacoma is definitely lining up with the Port of Seattle, and they have to because they're now part right. of what's called the Seaport Alliance. And so they're they're partners now, and so Tacoma now has to support the positions of Port of Seattle. Right. Um, I can't. I'm not sure why they chose to do that because Tacoma is run from what I've, everything I've heard, uh, they run the Port of Tacoma a lot better than they do in Seattle. Uh so I'm not sure why they chose to make the to make the agreement. But, you know yeah,
2: yeah.
3: what do I know about that? I, I, that would be I like them either. coming in and arena issues. <laughs> <laughs> so the the,
2: the the other part of the article was that uh I don't know who said it but they said they, they got schnookered by the city by the uh the, the um who did they get snickered by by somebody right like they like okay felt so like they got handed what to it was yeah,
3: go. <laughs> the the port of seattle and uh the city of seattle um they they had some kind of uh agreement that they came to like in the last 3 or 4 months where they basically right. plotted out a heavy haul corridor uh and they they said this these streets are part of the heavy haul corridor these streets are part of the heavy haul corridor and no, these streets are not. And they both emerged from the meeting. We had uh, the mayor smiling. We had the, the representative of the port smiling. Every, everyone was friendly, had a great meeting, came to an agreement. Just one problem. Occidental, Occidental Avenue, which is which is the street we're trying to vacate, by the way, was not included in the heavy call quarter, corridor. And so now uh, the port yeah. is saying, we got schnickered that should have been included. Well, you're in the meeting. <laughs> And, right. yeah. if, you know, if you got snickered, that's your problem. Uh, that's not the arena's problem. That's your problem. That's not Chris Hansen's problem. That's your problem. That's not the mayor's problem. That's your problem. You, in that meeting, laid out what the heavy haul corridor was, and you did not include Occidental. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's another thing with the port that bothers me. One of the arguments they give is this is, you know, we have to stop the intrusion of, uh entertainment businesses onto um onto industrial land. Well, what they fi- what they fail to remember or what they pretend not to remember is that when the ME- original MOU was signed, the city council made concession made concessions in which they laid out other than Soto Arena, they created what's called a port overlay district. In other words, you can't go past the arena and do anything else and that right. was something that the port argued for and when the the final the MOU was finally agreed on we had people uh like people from the port commissioners coming out and saying well we asked them for this and they gave it to us and so it seemed you know they were making it sound like they were going to support it except they weren't they never were um right. and so now they're they're arguing that this is just a continuation of infringing on industrial land but Port Overlay District, that they asked for, is in the MOU. Um, and so that's just one more example of how these guys act.
2: And it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's us, man. I mean, honestly. I mean, it, it's just it's just a Mickey Mouse show, right? I mean, come on. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I, it makes me really want to sit Kylo Ren on him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe uh, uh, Angry Chewy
3: angry chewy hey um, angry, chewy. yesterday or the day before uh, uh adam driver the guy that played kylo ren was on yes. was the host of saturday night live uh did you see the clip where he was playing uh they were doing a clip on uh undercover boss starring kylo ren
2: i did not see that
3: you need I'll, i posted it on my facebook page watch it it's worth it Uh, So Kylo Ren Ren goes undercover um, on Starkiller Base as uh, a radar operator named Matt. And it's actually really funny. You should check that out.
2: I will have to do that.
3: All right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining me again, Otto. And thanks to uh, Lorenzo Villalobos for coming on with us. Thanks to Husky player Josh McGrew for coming on with us. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, We will talk to you guys next week.
0: Thanks for sitting in the sin bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers and Otto Rogers.